Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Okay, are you guys ready to jump in this morning? I have just a few minutes here, but I want to share something that I have been really, really excited about this message since Pastor Tim and I sat down and, um, and really honed out what God wanted to do in this series. Um, you know, it's really interesting when, when you sit down and separately God has been stirring something in your hearts, and then you sit down and you go, oh yeah, no, that's exactly what God's been telling me too. And at that time, this message was one that God dropped into my heart, and I've been super excited to be able to share it because I think it is transformational in our life. Um, we're going to be talking about today the third word of Ephesians, right? The last two weeks, we've been talking about two of the words in Ephesians. We've been talking about sitting and how we sit in heavenly places. We sit enthroned with Christ. We, we rule and reign with him as his ambassadors here on earth. And how we also stand, what it means to stand against principalities and powers, to put on the full armor of God. If you haven't heard those messages, go back and listen to them. They're going to challenge your faith. Today, we're going to be talking about the third word, which is to walk, to walk. This is the point where we actually have movement that we have to do. Whether it's in our spiritual life or in our natural life, there is actually a point when we have to take a step. The prophetic word that Trey shared this morning in the song was so accurate One foot in front of the other. We have something that we have to do. And I realize, too, that as we take steps, as we move forward in God, sometimes it's this beautiful, amazing thing where God's doing so much. And sometimes it's it's a little different. It's kind of like this. This is what it's like. Go ahead and that's the title slide, but go ahead. and It's, It's like this. You get stuck in a ditch. And, and God's there and he helps you out, right? He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strengthen you and you're off and you're moving forward in what God has right to land in the ditch again. <laughs> they never continue the video to show if they ever pulled him out again. I think at that point, the shepherd's like, forget it. You're on your own. <laughs> Our shepherd doesn't give up on us. Thank the Lord. Everyone started to say, thank you, Jesus. We walk and we stumble. We walk and we stumble. Some of these things that we're challenging ourselves with in this series are things that we take a step forward and then it's, ooh, it's challenging. We might fall down. And then we get up and we we take another step forward. But God is not frustrated with us. God is not upset when you say, you know what, this week I'm going to take my workplace for God. And then there you start arguing with your coworker. And you're just like, why are they so messed up? And then you come back in church on Sunday and you're like, ah, that was not good. God's full of grace. He says, listen, let's go. There we go. There we go. He's not upset when we struggle and when we walk through this stuff, but he does want us to make forward momentum in our life. That's what he's designed us to do. Ephesians, Pastor Tim shared the scripture, Ephesians 4 and verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. A couple things there. I urge you to walk. Walking is not standing still. Walking actually has movement and momentum to it. 
And notice what it says here, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. To set up entire everything that I'm going to say today, God has called, chosen, equipped, selected, set you apart for something. Make no mistake, he has done that. That's the work he's done. But we have to step into what God has done. And so here's the key for you as we, as we talk today, that life with Christ, moving forward in Christ, is a cooperative effort between us and God. I want you to pick this up here today, because this is what's going to be really important for our spirits as we move forward. There is a part that God plays, and actually there's a part that he already played. He's done his part. He has come and he has done things to make a way for you to be able to have eternal life. But the other side of the cooperation is there is a part that we most certainly have to do. And can I tell you something this morning? The part that God has for us to play, he won't step in and do it for us. It's something that he looks at us to be able to actually step into. I'm going to use the Israelites today to illustrate this principle of this cooperation that we have between us and God. Because the Israelites were coming to this point, and we see in Joshua 1, where they are getting ready to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. It's this incredible moment. It is the culmination of a 600-year-old promise. 600 years. And now they are standing on the banks of the Jordan River, ready to cross over into the promised land. And, and, and this whole cooperation side of things looks like this for the children of Israel, the Israelites. For them, this cooperation looked like inheritance and possession. Inheritance and possession. I'm going to be talking about these two words, so I want you to keep these in your mind. If you're taking notes, write them down, even in two columns, because that's how I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Inheritance and possession. Inheritance is this. The land is yours. The land is secured. In fact, if you were to look at your spiritual life right now, your future is secured in what Christ has already done. Your eternity is secured because God made a promise. And how many of you know that when God makes a promise, he what? Keeps his promise. Your inheritance has already been provided. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus paid the price that you were supposed to pay. And because he died on the cross for your sins, he has now given you the inheritance of not only eternal life free of the condemnation of sin, but he's also given it to you abundant life here on earth. This is what God has done. But there's also possession. Now, here's, here's some descriptions for you here. Inheritance is the legal right to possess because the owner has given it to you. Think about that. As we move forward in the things that God has for us, recognize that it has been given to you. Abundant life here, eternal life after, it has been given to you. But possession is to take by force knowing that you have the right to the land. Okay, listen to this. It's not one-sided. God's given you inheritance in him. Everything has been given to you in Christ. Freedom, healing, the, the, your future is secured. All of that has been given to you, but you have to actually step into what he has provided for you. Stepping into the promised land for them required both. 
they couldn't do God's part. They couldn't fulfill the promise that God made about the inheritance of the land. They couldn't do that. That wasn't on them. There was no way for them to attain that. But God also was not going to do it for them. He said, you still have to cross over the Jordan and you still have some enemies you got to face and you still have some things that you're going to come up against and you're still going to need me, but you have something that you actually have to step into. Now, inheritance, inheritance, walking in and taking ground in our spiritual lives, in our natural lives, and I'm going to give you some, some practical applications of what these things are here in a little bit. It requires movement, but the movement starts in the fact of these two things, and these are the two aspects of inheritance. We're talking about God's part here for just a couple of minutes. God's part is, one, he promised them the land. He promised them the land. He made a promise, and he fulfilled the promise. In Joshua 1 and verse 3, we see that he comes down and he talks to Joshua, and he says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you. He reassures his promise. Again, remember, this was not anything that the Israelites could do. They couldn't earn this. They couldn't do enough things to be able to earn the inheritance. This was a promise that God made them because he simply loved them. They were his chosen people. And so he said, I'm going to gift you with this inheritance. These are the things he did. This, this, like I said, this was a 600-year-old promise that went all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 12, where, Gen where, where God promised Abraham, this is the land where your descendants will live. Not only did God promise the land, but he also prepared the land. Now, this is really cool. I want you to think about this and apply it to your life. The areas where you want to see victory in, the areas where you are believing for, the, see, the things in your life that you want to see movement in that you have been praying for for a long time, the addictions that you have been stuck in that you want freedom from. Imagine what those things are in your life. And now I want you to process this, that God has promised victory to you. He has promised you a life of abundance. He has promised you, by the way, abundance is like what Trey said. It's not wealth and riches and all this. It's abundance in his Holy Spirit. He's promised you all of these things and... He prepared it for you. He did all the heavy lifting. Get this. This is, this is powerful. Joshua 1.5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses, and I will not fail you or abandon you. Somebody in here this morning needs to hear that word. That God has promised you something in your life that you are holding on to. And you need to hear today that God has not only promised that you will have the victory in this, but he wants you to know that he has prepared it so that no one will be able to stand against you. This is a two-part package that God has put together. Give you some ideas of this through Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are the promises. This is how God promised. Exodus 33 the Lord said to Moses, get going. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go up to the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I told them, here it is, the promise. I will give this land to your descendants. And the preparation, verse two, I will send an angel before you to drive out your enemies. Numbers, it says it again, because I have given it to you to occupy. 
and in Deuteronomy, he will clear the way of all the nations ahead of you so that you can enter in to his promise. God has done the heavy lifting for us. It's this amazing, incredible thing that we get to see and we get to live in this fact. I'll give you one little simple, very, very simple of, of what he's done in making a promise and keeping his promise is eternal life. And it's just one simple little one. What did he do? He said, I promise that there will be forgiveness of sin and eternal life, John 3, 16. So whoever believes in me will not perish, but have eternal life. He kept his promise. He paid the price for sin and prepared a way for you to have abundant life, eternal life, free of sin through the cross. And he gave you, there's this word, the right or the inheritance to become children of God. This is the right that he has given you to be a child of God. God promised and he kept his word. This is an incredible thing. Amen? All right. Now, possession. This is where the cooperation part comes into play. And this is what I want you to get into your spirit this morning. Rest in the fact that God has promised and that there is inheritance for us because of what he's done. Rest in that. And then understand that the cooperation means this, that the right does not take away the work. The right to the inheritance doesn't mean you don't have something to do. You very much have something to do. But I'm complete in Christ. Yes, you are. But he also says, if you're going to be complete in me, there's a way that I have for you to live life. And there are some very specific things that I have called you to do. And I'm looking for you, says the Lord, to carry these out. But we say, in Christ, I have rest. Yes, you have rest in Christ. Absolutely, you have rest in Christ. But you still have work. Work is not a bad thing. I I, want to paint this picture for you here. Uh, Sometimes we think that, you know, because there's some misconceptions. There's some misconceptions about work. The misconceptions about work are that um, I work for my salvation. That's a misconception, a lie. That is what we call false. You do not work for your salvation. You do not earn your salvation. That is the inheritance that Christ did. But check this out, Philippians 2 and verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Listen to this, Paul. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. It does not say work hard for your salvation, but it does say work hard to show the results of your salvation. Paul used this, this, this terrible four-letter word, work. You mean to tell me that I actually have something I have to do? Yes. But we have to make sure that we're doing it from the right perspective and the right heart, the right motivation, and for the right reasons. And that's what is really important for us to understand here. The other conception is that we shouldn't have to work. God does all of it, right? We just have to rest in him. As we rest in him, he's the one who empowers us to do the work that he wants us to do. (laughs) I'm just going to stay in his presence. Good. Then let his presence actually carry you to what he's called you to do. 
The kingdom was extended by the, the apostles and the disciples gathering together and praying and fasting. And then they did this crazy thing. They went out and told people about Jesus. It's really weird. It was like, what? We can't just, we can't just sit and, and pray and worship. Yes, you can. And then you have to go. Oh, okay. There's a specific part that we are supposed to play. Remember, He's already taken care of his part, but we have a part to play. Let me give you an example of this. This is something I see so beautiful in our church right now. Because everywhere I look, I see people that are taking steps to pursue the heart of God and pursue what God has. Monday nights, some of you are aware of this, but some of you aren't. Monday nights, there's over 20 guys who are now gathering together in this building to pursue a new level of freedom from addiction and a new level of purity and wholeness and healing in their life. Come on, give it up. This is awesome. This is awesome. Those 20 men are not getting here and gathering here so that they will be saved. That's done. That's taken care of. They are here working out their salvation. I meet with couples right now. My wife and I, we get to go on this journey with couples. And it's so cool to see couples that are pursuing God to see healing come to their marriages. What are they doing? They are working out their salvation in their marriages. So many people that I'm talking to in our church right now that you are making steps forward into what God's called you to do. And that is exactly what this is talking about. The inheritance, the promise, the provision, the preparation is already done. And now we have to actually step to possess the promise that he's given us. Okay? Now, there is a really important posture then for us if we wrap our heads around the idea that God has provided and we have a part to play in this. There's an important thing that we have to understand in posture. Jo uh, Joshua 1 and verse 10 says this, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell people to get their provisions ready. Get ready because in three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land your, the Lord your God is giving you, okay? There is a posture that we have to take. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Chariots of Fire, and, uh, and I love the story of Eric Little. But the last, the last race where he's getting to run for the gold medal, put this up here. This is, this is from the movie. This isn't really Eric Little, but it's who I picture. Um, that he's at the starting line, and notice he's down in the starting blocks, and he's poised. And in the movie, when you watch it, everything goes dead silent, waiting for the gun to go off. He's poised. Every muscle in his body is ready to go. Can I say this, that for you and I, this is important for us because we're not going to be able to go and actually possess if we're sitting down. We got to be ready to move. I tell you this, that one of the biggest tactics that the enemy is using today is complacency and apathy. It is one of the biggest techniques that he uses. Complacency and apathy says this, you can be okay with that little bit of sin in your life. It's, it's, it's okay. I was meeting with Mike Costa this week, and I love talking with Mike. We got in this conversation about how many times, and I'm sure none of you have done this. It's just Mike and I, so we're the messed up ones. How many times we rate sin? 
well, I lied, but at least I didn't murder. And we rate sin when the Bible says sin is sin. There's no difference in it all. Sin is sin. But we tend to look through and, ah, that's, oh, that one's okay. I can kind of get away with that. That is the enemy saying, you're okay, just hang there. You're okay. That little sin, it's okay. How about this one? The little compromise, the little areas that lead to sin. You're okay. It's, it, I know that movie has stuff in it, but it's okay. It's, it's fine. How about this one? It's just too scary. The fear is too much. Just stay where you are because it's safer. Lie of the enemy. To be okay with your short, check it off approach to the word of God. And don't get me wrong, I'm so thankful for you, version. I really am. But how many times can we get in that mode of like, checked it off, I did the thing. <laughs> Got my points. Possessed the land. Or to be okay with the level at which you are or are not living out the gospel to those around us. Or how about this one? You just need to work on you. You just need to sit, just don't move. And then when you get to the level of maturity, when you, when you learn enough, enough, then you'll be ready for God to use you. You just work on you. And when you're... Whew, when you're ready, God can put you in. The problem is I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see Jesus ever looking at Peter and saying, Peter, I want you to take a year, just, just do you for a year. Just, Peter, just sit down, just do you for a year. Focus on you, just grow, read your Bible, pray a couple times a day. And then when you're, woof, then I'll put you in. No, he said, follow me. I'm going to go heal some blind people. I'm going to go heal some people. You're going to be right there with me. And you better get this because this is what you're going to be doing. But this is the enemy. The enemy uses this. You okay? <laughs> God knows that for you to find growth, it has to happen by doing something outside of yourself. We can't just focus on what's in the inside. Do not get me wrong. Spiritual growth and growth and spiritual maturity in our life are very important. But God uses you working outside of yourself to bring those things to your life. This is really important for us to know. Now, the enemy, and I'm going to wrap it up here, the enemy is going to use every lie that he can in your life. But Paul gives us a clue here. And this is something I want us to be challenged and encouraged by today, to go on the offensive in possessing the promises that God has. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this, that you are to not let Satan outsmart you. Do not let him outsmart you. This is Paul telling the church, hey, wake up. Don't let him outsmart you. And this is how you're going to do that. Because you are very familiar with his evil schemes. Guys, you know how the enemy works. I don't think there'd be one person in this room that goes, I just, I have no idea how the enemy works. We know how the enemy works. We know the tactics that he uses. We know the lies that he brings against us. And so Paul is saying, listen, you need to be aware of his schemes so that he won't catch you off guard and he won't outsmart you. Guys, spies don't go into enemy territory and collect intel only to come back to headquarters and throw away the intel and go the other direction. No, they use the intel to go against the enemy. 
We have been given the intel in the word of God. We have been given the intel about what the enemy's schemes are so that we won't be blind to them in order so that we will not stay in apathy and complacency and not moving, but we understand the enemy's schemes so that we can combat them with the word of God, with prayer, and with the Holy Spirit. Come on, I hope that when you leave today, you have something in your heart that says, you know what? I recognize in my life where maybe, just maybe, I've been one of these things just a little bit. There's a little bit of a loud sin, a little bit of compromise, a little bit of apathy that set in. And I am not ready to let the enemy continue to have his way in my life. And I'm ready to stand up and to possess what God has. We can only live in the fullness of life if we're willing to address the areas of life that have us stuck and allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to move forward in the victory of Christ. This is the only way that it's going to work. So what does possession look like? I want to give these to you real quick because this is how we're going to wrap up and go into our discussion time. What does possessing the land look like? Well, for you, it might be praying for the lost in our city, state, nation, and world to a new level. Possess the land. I am going to pray for my next door neighbors. I am going to pray for our state. I'm going to pray for revival to sweep across our valley so that hearts will return to them. I'm going to pray for the prodigals to return. Maybe for you, possessing the land means to engage with someone that you need to learn to lead to Christ. Someone you know that God has already put in front of you that now you need to take a step to say, I'm going to start a relationship, and it may take a while, but I am going to move forward to claiming that person for Jesus. Maybe for you, it's being the parent you're designed to be. Praying for and leading your kids to Christ. Parents, it's time, it's, it's, we got to be done with like complacency with our kids. It, en- enough's enough. The enemy will come in and he will rob our kids if we don't step up to possess the land. And our marriages, fighting for your marriage to possess the kind of marriage that God has for your life and that he's already provided. Possessing by God's spirit a level of purity and holiness that he's already paid the price for but all you need to do is step into it. Stepping out of apathy and contending, contending for a close and intimate relationship with the Lord, not settling for where you are now. You might have an incredible relationship with the Lord. Don't settle. Move forward into possessing the next level of that. Possessing your freedom from addiction, idolatry, a lifestyle of concessions, bondage of fear and anxiety. Take a step forward to possess freedom in those areas. Just to recap as we finish this out here, remember, remember, because that, that list sounds like, a, well, I just have to do those things. No, no, listen, listen. God's already done his part. The inheritance is promised to you. The victory is won. The land is already given. All you have to do is step into what he has given you. Does it mean facing the enemy? Absolutely. You know what's really cool about the Jordan River? Um, The Jordan River to the Canaanites, the ones who were in the promised land, 
they looked at it and they were very mystic about bodies of water. They looked at this, the Jordan River and it was a boundary, it was a barrier, it was protection, right? So what happened is as the river part, as the, the river stopped up and the Israelites started to cross over the Jordan into the, the Canaanite land, they thought that God was providing this incredible, the promise was being fulfilled. They were stepping into the promised land, right? Like this is amazing. What the Canaanites were going is like, oh, the God we thought was powerful is nothing compared to the God of them. You have to understand, as you start to walk forward and as you start to possess the land that God has for you, God is working behind the scenes and he is striking fear in the enemy. Not because you're doing anything special, you're simply obeying and possessing. You're walking out, you are working out your salvation on a daily basis. And when you do that, God is working on the enemy and the enemy sees you and fears, not because of you, but because he sees God in you. And he gets terrified and runs. There's this amazing thing that happens there. So recognize God's on your side. He's already promised and prepared your inheritance. And we get to step into that. And it's going to take work. But here's the other cool thing. He's given you the Holy Spirit to help you do it anyway. You're not on your own. He's, He's given you the Holy Spirit. Who went first when they crossed over into the Jordan, uh, into the, the land? It was the priest and the ark. The presence of God went before them. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.